Hi, I'm Mina Karaman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. The recent explosion of craft breweries in Canada is almost a cliché at this point. We went from 300 breweries in 2008 to almost 1,200 in 2020. That's according to the industry group Beer Canada. But sadly for ale aficionados everywhere, we're now seeing the craft brewery business tank. You just don't realize the trouble that's going on beneath the surface. It's kind of masked because it's small private businesses. The Globe's Jason Kirby recently looked into why this industry is in survival mode, how these businesses might stay afloat, and what this all means for your favorite craft brew. This is The Decibel. Jason, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks a lot. So we're going to be talking a lot about beer today. So I have to ask, are you yourself a beer drinker? I am a beer drinker, uh, and I actually have started to drink more craft beer probably in the last couple of years, oh. coinciding with the pandemic. Interesting. You know, everybody started getting deliveries and stuff like that. So, you know, it was uh, it was funny. One of the people we talked to, one of the brewers we talked to, described their situation when the pandemic hit. They started taking their salespeople and, and moving them into uh kind of delivery roles and they called themselves beer Santas. And they were like, you know, some of the first people that we were having interactions with in those early days. And there was just something nice about having someone come to your house and bring you stuff and beer deliveries. What a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of Canadians have had kind of a similar experience, right, of of being exposed to all these different craft breweries across Canada in this pandemic time. And so I think it might be surprising for a lot of people to hear that this is an industry that's actually not doing all that well right now. What made you look into this in the first place? Well, there's been a couple of mergers and acquisitions recently, and uh, that's often a sign that, oh, something might be happening. So we, we, we started to look into it a little bit more. It wasn't a secret in the industry that they weren't necessarily doing well even before the pandemic. But then the pandemic kind of came along and really hammered this industry, despite the fact that they were able to do deliveries. That was still a fraction of the sales that they would have been experiencing before. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of a basic question, but what exactly is a craft brewery? How is that defined? Basically, it comes down to size. They're microbreweries. They brew just a tiny fraction of what you would see coming off the kind of the assembly lines at the big Molson and, and Labatt factories. They also just kind of pride themselves on the ingredients that they use. And, you know, it's in the name craft and they would emphasize that, you know, it's a very hands on experience. And, and that really spoke to people. Uh, and it also spoke to governments who were very keen to help these companies expand and new people come into the industry because they were employers. They were bigger employers, you know, collectively, even though they're such tiny little businesses, collectively, they became, you know, such big employers in the industry. And for years and years and years, provincial governments were doing everything they could to support these businesses, grants and loans to help them get off the ground and then to expand and get bigger. In your reporting, one of the companies that um, that you looked at was Bose, which is a, mm-hmm. a brewery in, in Ontario. Probably a lot of people will know it. It's near yeah. Ottawa. Can you tell us what's happened recently with Bose? 
They're one that uh, was part of um, a merger and an acquisition, really. A steam whistle bought them uh, earlier this year. You know, and they were a company like a lot of other uh, breweries that uh, they launched in the mid 2000s. And, uh, you know, they're famous for their their lug tread uh brew, but they just didn't have anywhere for their beer to go. You know, as they told us, they, they had to destroy a million dollars worth of, of beer, of inventory, because there just wasn't wow. anywhere for it to go. You can't just keep this stuff sitting indefinitely. And, and that was in the pandemic? Sorry, that was, they had to destroy that inventory. That was in the pandemic. That was when the pandemic hit. And, uh, you know, they, they did things to try and survive, you know, through it and, and, and make the most of it, uh, deliveries and that kind of stuff. But they were suffering from this kind of the start and stop of pandemic rules. It was always changing. You could never really plan how much beer am I going to need three months from now when, you know, there could be a new wave that comes along in two months. So Steam Whistle kind of came in and helped them do the deliveries to get their beer to the out to the stores. And they just saw that it was working so well, they ended up selling the company for an undisclosed amount uh, in February uh, to Steam Whistle. So it was kind of definitely one of the the highest profile of the mergers and the acquisitions that we've seen in a, in a while in the industry. Yeah. And of course, the pandemic itself was a very challenging time for businesses. But this idea of craft breweries struggling, was this kind of a trend that was happening beyond the pandemic or was, or was this specifically because of the pandemic? You were already seeing signs of it. We knew that there was a lot of saturation. We knew that there were, you know, there was new breweries opening constantly. But at the same time, you were seeing trends where people have been drinking less beer over time. And so even before the pandemic, you know, we knew that there were problems and, and we we can see that a little bit. Uh, there's some breweries, a couple of that have filed for insolvency, you know, during the pandemic. And you can kind of see their numbers and see that they were already losing money prior to the pandemic hitting. So, yeah, this is not a new story in that uh, they were already struggling. There was already kind of talk of a reckoning in the craft brew industry before this. Then the pandemic comes along. And actually, what's interesting is you didn't have as many closures during the pandemic as you might have thought, Mm, you know, uh, partly because government stepped in with uh, a lot of supports. We had a lot of federal emergency programs, kind of wage subsidy programs, queues, things like that. And Mm -hmm. We've analyzed and looked at the list of all the recipients and a lot of businesses use this, but breweries definitely were a big part of it. And some of the companies that have gone you know, bankrupt, uh, at least one of them had been accused recipient uh, and had received like $250,000. And that was money that would have helped them just kind of get over that hump. But now we're, you know, we're on the other side of that hump, hopefully. And uh, that's when that reckoning that was kind of delayed is now probably going to start happening. Let's take a step back here, Jason. The craft beer trend in Canada really took off only in kind of the mid-2000s. So can you set the scene for us? What sparked this craft brewery trend at that time? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the, the first craft breweries actually were, you know, back in the 80s uh, in Canada. But then in in the, you know, mid-2000s, you'd had the consolidation that it kind of the, the big Canadian companies been bought up by international giants, Molson and Labatt's and you had that kind of trend at a time where there was like a, a desire f- to support local businesses. So you had that setting the table. And then kind of like as the mid 2000s kind of come along and millennials came of drinking age, mm-hmm. um, that kicked things even into higher gear. You know, tastes also just changed, not just for millennials, but for everybody. My tastes changed. I remember 
being wowed by, you know, all of a sudden you could have something other than Molson and, and the bat, not to knock a couple of companies there, but, uh, you know, there's a big taste difference between a craft brewery product and, and what you're going to get there from their traditional lines. And so, yeah, it was just this kind of flavor and, and taste revolution that, uh, that happened. And, and then I think, um, you know, in that uh, kind of mid 2005 period to 2010, you also had the, the Great Recession in there. And that kind of shook things up as well, because you had people who were laid off and were like, well, I want to do something different. And so I'm going to start a brewery. I'm going to, I'm tired of working for the man. I'm tired of like, you know, having no control over my future. And so you actually had, while you had this rise in demand, you also had this surge of people kind of coming into the market saying, this is, this is fun. Like being a brewery owner is fun. You know, people do this in their, in their basements and like, why not take this thing that I do as a hobby in the basement and share it with, you know, more people. And uh, so you, you had this kind of demand and supply thing working really together nicely. So yeah, it sounds like it's a bit of a, a passion project for a lot of people. But were were brewers also making a lot of money? Like, was this profitable? No, no, it was not profitable. Even before the pandemic came along, it was not profitable. Of those 1,200, the vast majority, 95%, make less than a million dollars. But of that 95%, the vast majority are making way less in terms of revenue than a million dollars. A lot of them are in the two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year range. And, uh, you know, during 2020, something like 60% of, of breweries in the country were losing money. Uh, and that actually wasn't all that much worse than before. You know, when you look at the industry stats over like the last uh, 10 years, you'd seen profit margins declining. You know, the last time the industry kind of had 50% profitable was five or so years before the pandemic actually happened. So they were, they were starting to lose money even before this as more came in. In your reporting, Jason, you spoke to someone who said that the industry was um, an information-poor environment yes. for, for making business decisions. What, what exactly does that mean? Well, what he was talking about was uh, something that's very common. The industry is a little bit of a black box. It's a black box to outsiders and black box to insiders because it's all private. It's all, they're small, the vast majority are all private companies. They've raised money from their family and their friends to get off the ground. They've borrowed from family and friends to keep operating. When they do hit a wall, they don't necessarily announce it. They find somebody else to sell the brewery to. Somebody else kind of comes in, buys it. You've lost and your family have lost a lot of money on this, but to the outside world, the brewery keeps going and everything, you know, seems to be fine. And to someone who's getting into the industry, they see that, yeah, there's not actually a lot of closures. Uh, there's always new, if everybody's opening breweries, then it's got to be a great business that's growing. Uh, so why don't I try it too? That's the information poor environment for making business decisions that he was talking about, that you just don't realize the trouble that's going on beneath the surface, it's kind of masked because it's small private businesses. And and so now we're in this kind of phase of where there's this decline of, of this craft beer industry. Um, and we, you talked about the taste before and how that is really distinctive from from maybe, you know, the mass market beer that's out there. But we also have a lot of other options these days. We have hard mm -hmm. seltzers, you know, White Claw is really popular. Is, is part of the problem that we're just not drinking as much beer as we used to? Definitely, definitely. I mean, 
overall, on a per capita, per person basis, beer consumption has been falling since the 1970s. Mm. But it really had started to kind of accelerate uh, kind of mid 2000s, you know, interestingly, when everybody's starting to pour into this industry, um, you did actually see beer as a share of uh, total alcoholic consumption starting to kind of drop. And particularly over the last 10 years, you've seen it drop even more. The categories that are taking over are ciders and coolers, spirits and you know canned cocktails. And But now you also have uh, a whole new world of cannabis-infused beverages coming on. Now, it's not big, but it's another option for consumers. And so people are starting to explore those. Some breweries are starting to explore those as well. You do see a lot of some of the larger craft breweries are starting to get into some of these other lines of business as well. But overall, yeah, that's one of the challenges for this industry is that people are are turning away from beer. So what are experts telling you now about what's going to happen to all of these breweries? Like, are, are they going to close? What's kind of the next the next thing that we can expect here? I think uh, consolidation, um, kind of continuing that trend that we've started to see with a few. You know, we uh, talked to a small uh, uh, U.S. company. It's called Erie Group, uh, Erie Beverage Group, uh, kind of grew out of a shell of a failed video game developer. But they've got this plan to consolidate uh, kind of starting in Ontario, the craft brewery uh, sector. And so they made one purchase. Uh, They bought Bell City Brewery in Brantford, Ontario, you know, and they also brought on the brewmaster there. Uh, who's a kind of an industry veteran, been, been in the industry for like 30 years. And uh, he's a, kind of an advisor to them as they are planning to consolidate others. So they've, they've got a plan of like buying eight to 18, somewhere in that range, craft breweries in Ontario over the next 12 months. And a lot of the other people we talked to were all talking about consolidation as well. Not everyone wants to sell, you know, like that that's the thing. People get into this, they've poured their hearts into it, they've poured a lot of money into it, they want this business to go. And a lot of a lot of them have a relationship with their employees that is based on them being kind of like an independent local employer and uh, you know, in some cases the employees themselves own shares in the in the uh, breweries. So I think that uh despite some holdouts, you are definitely going to see more consolidation. The, the argument for it is kind of basic economics 101. When you go to buy your ingredients, you can do that as a, in bulk. Uh, you know, rather than one brewery going, five or 10 breweries can go and buy a larger amount and get a better price because they're all dealing with inflation right now. And that is, that is the, the big shoe that's now falling on the industry is just the costs of making their beer, getting it to market, gasoline costs, all those shipping costs are are skyrocketing. And so there's this pressure to now kind of come together, join forces and and, uh, kind of like share those costs while trying to maintain your local appeal. So it's it's going to be a little bit of a tightrope that they're they're going to be walking. And so what is this consolidation mean for the the craft beer lover like is are they still going to have these unique breweries that are still brewing the unique beer that they like i think they will i think that uh i don't think craft beer is going anywhere like i said 100 in the middle of the pandemic 100 new (laughs) at least 100 new breweries opened up um so i think that there's still always going to be people coming into this market bringing new things i also like even even that company that i talked about doing the consolidation they are very, very motivated to keep the local tap rooms and and uh, the local brewery facing 
operations because they know that's what appeals to people. Uh, so you, you know, you take that away, then, then there really isn't anything. You're just something you can just buy off the shelf. Jason, it's, it's great to chat with you. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks a lot. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our intern is Emily McPhail. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.